0: I'd like to welcome everyone to Faith Reformed Baptist Church. It's good to see everyone here. Before I begin, I would like to ask the Lord's assistance once more to give me clarity of thought, clarity of mind, presence, so I can speak my heart and that the Word of God might be made clear. Let's lift our hearts up to God. Holy Father, we are now endeavoring to do what is a very sacred thing, and that is to speak of your Word. We know that your word is the most powerful, wonderful gift ever given to your people. You have by your own word created these worlds. And the word had become flesh to die for our sins. And now the word guides us. We live our lives by its precepts. We rest our souls upon them. We have learned that Christ is our refuge. And we ask now, Father, to deepen our understanding that we might weather the storms that must come. That we might have our lives embedded in Christ, relying upon his righteousness. That we might be given of the heart of conquerors. That we might overcome all the things that is to come upon this world and in our lives. And death itself shall not cause us to falter. So we pray, Lord, that you'd be with your people today. Like Lydia, we ask that you would open hearts. Like those on the road to Emmaus, we ask that you would have the word burn within us. And we pray, Lord, that these things might be done for the uplifting and the glorification of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may he be seen alone and no man. We pray this in our Lord's name. Amen. Amen. I would like to read um, several verses again that we're going to be covering. We're looking at verses 1 through 8 of chapter 7, and as you can see in verses um, 4 through 8, it reads a little bit like uh, a genealogy. They're they're repeated words where it says that uh, the, the apostle heard where people were being sealed by the seal of God by an angel. So I'm going to read the first few verses, and then we'll take a look at those other verses concerning the sealing of God's people. And after this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth and beholding and holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on the earth and the sea or against any tree. And then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called out with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. And before I get into the observations from this, i want to tell you what the message is about. I want to give you the doctrine that I want you to go home with. And the doctrine is this. Understanding the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is one of the most important achievements a saved sinner can do, the gospel itself. You say, well, that's the ABCs, is it not? Oh, there's a lot more to the gospel than that. This will lead you into Christian maturity that will one day guide you into the fullness of Christ and into the assurance of your everlasting salvation. Now, an important part of the gospel that we're addressing today that will help you understand the gospel even better is the doctrine of unconditional election. This is something that God has done from the foundation of the world. This truth is going to enable you to live victoriously even though your life may be engulfed in tribulation and trials. It can be instrumental in your endurance to the very end. Now, you may be asking, well, I'm not too sure what unconditional election is. Well, we're going to get there and you'll be able to understand what it means. And uh, I'll put it this way. There are churches around the world, unfortunately, that are afraid to teach this. But I have been charged by the scriptures to teach the whole counsel of God. And Spurgeon said it this way. Why would we hold back the big guns? Why would we do that? Why would we put the best, of the most powerful, the most heart-wrenching, the most most powerful things that God can say? Why would we pull them off the wall and not fire them? Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a little bit of a review because I've not taught on the book of Revelation for several weeks. So I don't want you to be, I don't want to jump right into this. I want to bring everyone back up to speed as to where we were. The Apocalypse, which is called the Revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, has seven apocalyptic visions within it. The first vision we considered was in chapters 1 through 3, and it was when the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos was given the very first vision of the Lord Jesus Christ walking among churches, seven churches. And we came to the conclusion that An apocalyptic vision is something that must be interpreted. And so as we see where the Apostle John saw Christ walking among his churches, we saw that every church had a promise given to them, a promise that would enable them to live their lives in victory, or shall we say, he that overcomes, and then they have a promise given to them. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, each one had a different promise given to them. The first one, they were to inherit eternal life if they overcame. And you may say, oh, that's that's a big condition. Do I have to overcome? But you see, overcoming means being faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, even when it means difficult times. The second promise, they shall never die. What a promise. And you may say, well, that's only to the Smyrna, to the church of Smyrna. No. It's like the Beatitudes. Blessed is the one, who, the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They get all the blessings. And every Christian gets every one of these promises. And that's why it's important that we overcome, that we become conquerors. The next promise. They shall receive the unbreakable promises of God. The next. The word of God will, it will be the means of grace to rule... judgment over the world by their hand the next promise they shall be justified from all their sin in the sight of all and next they shall find their homes in God God shall be their dwelling place that's where their home is and then lastly they shall rule with Christ on his throne what a wonderful vision that was isn't it and we I want you to think about that vision as we go through the other visions. Because you see, we are one of the churches of Christ, and He walks among us, and He's given us these promises. And so as we see the other visions, we want to remember that the Lord has given us these things that we might walk worthy, that we might walk with God. The next vision is the one that we're involved in right now. The next vision, It's going to involve chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7, and the first verse of chapter 8. And so we're almost done with the second vision. This vision showed us the throne of God and how it was described. It was the center of the universe. Everything centered around the throne of God, the elders, the angels, the four creatures. God is the center of everything. And everyone worshiped God on his throne. Then we saw the Lamb, how he was declared worthy, and how? Because he was able to take the scroll from him that sat on the throne. Remember when the scroll was sealed with seven seals, that a seal is something that will authenticate the authority given to someone. And those words are important. Christ is the one bringing these things about. He has the authority and the power to do so. And how do I know that? Because it's been authenticated. How was it authenticated? He rose from the dead. And it was he was able to do it. That's why John cried with many tears. And someone said the angel, an angel said to him, don't cry. The lion of the tribe of Judah has overcome to do this. And then after he heard that, he looked and what did he see? A lamb. He heard the lion of the tribe of Judah, but he saw a lamb. Just like poetry, isn't it? Remember how we studied poetry in the Psalms? How Hebrew poetry is a little bit like this. It doesn't rhyme. It doesn't have meter. As a matter of fact, Hebrew poetry is like this. It'll say one thing and repeats it in another way. It's as though God had intended the Hebrew poems to be translated into other languages. Because if you translated a poem into another language, they would not rhyme anymore. Neither would they have the same meter. But the form of the beauty of it is that I say this, And then I say it again, in a different way. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. How do you say that again? The Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. We're going to see that this is going to be helpful to us in interpreting the apocalyptic visions. Because many of these visions repeat the same things over again, except they say them in a different way. And so, everything about an apocalypse cries this. It needs to be interpreted. It is a vision that's seen. And that's why the Lord repeats it, because that's his poetic form. That is where we are right now. We looked at the different horses, that is, when the seals were broken, seals one through four, they represented the apocalypse of the I mean, that horse, four horsemen of the apocalypse, how that they brought the conquests and war and famine and death. And then in chapter six, we saw how there were martyred saints under the altar of God. And after that, the great day of judgment. Now, I want you to remember something about this, that at the very end of that vision, which was the last message we preached on this, there were the ones facing judgment of God, and they cried out to the mountains and to the rocks to fall on them. And do you remember the last question they asked? They said, please fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb to come. And then they ask this question, Who is able to stand before the Lamb? That's the last question asked. Now we get into chapter 7. And that chapter answers the question. As a matter of fact, before I go any further, let me read the answer to you. Verse number 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne of God. Did you hear what I said? Standing before the throne of God. Who shall be able to stand? And then we see a great vision of those who stand before the throne of God. Now, that's the review. Now let's get into the new material. I have a lengthy introduction, which means that I'll be able to go through the uh, observations very quickly because there aren't that many verses. But the, uh, the, the introduction is this. Please look out when the scriptures say, I heard this, and then it says, I saw this. And you'll recognize the Hebrew poetry of it. You'll recognize that it says one thing and then repeats it again. And we'll see that again. Because what happens in this passage is that John is going to hear about the sealing of God's people But then when he looks, he sees a number that cannot be numbered. That is stating one thing and stating it again in another way. Now you may say, I don't know how the doctrine is going to fit into this because I thought he said the doctrine of unconditional election is going to be taught here. It is this way. God, before the foundations of the world, has chosen people to be saved. They're sealed by God. They're sealed. And how do you know? How do you know? How many are there? It's a multitude that cannot be numbered. But the number cannot be increased nor can be decreased. There is a specific number of them. So we see it from one viewpoint and then we see it from another viewpoint. From God's viewpoint, He knows His. He knows all of his people but from our viewpoint it's a number that can't be numbered all we do who are the elect the ones that seek after god they hunger and thirst after righteousness among a people that live in sin among a world steeped in sin who are the elect and you know how do we know who they are oh if you hunger and thirst after righteousness do not fear do not worry about who is the elect? Spurgeon used to say it like this, finding the elect is like digging through a dunghill for diamonds. They're there. They're there. So let's get our hands dirty. Let's preach the gospel to every creature. There are numberless hordes of people that are going to be hungering and thirsting after God because God has His people. He has His people. The Bible clearly teaches the comforting doctrine of the unconditional election of saints, a number that cannot be increased nor decreased. But from his viewpoint, but it is not a blessing that God has told us his viewpoint? Is it not comforting that we should know no one can take us out of his hand? Mm -hmm. And yet who are they? Can anyone come? Only those who hunger and thirst after righteousness Oh, listen to me if you love the world more than God oh you need to you need to take a good look at your soul mm-hmm. you need to have some fear of God mm-hmm. you need to understand that you are in a hopeless condition mm-hmm. because it is the hopeless that seek the help of God mm-hmm. if you come in your own strength you're not going to find him it's only those that seek With their whole heart because of the sin in their hearts that they should seek after the righteousness of God Mm -hmm. here are my observations of the few verses that we'll be looking at the verse 1 after this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding back the four winds of the earth that no wind or or might blow on the earth or the sea or against any tree we see right now that God has given authority and power to angels to do these things. Very powerful angels ready to do His will, just like the four horsemen of the apocalypse if you can remember that. These angels now are prepared and anxious to do the will of God. However, they are holding back. They're holding back only for one reason. There is another angel that comes up and he is going to say, Wait. Now, what are these people, I mean, what are these angels waiting to do? Well, they're waiting to bring judgment upon the earth. And you say, well, maybe, doesn't it say literally that they're going to be blowing this judgment against the earth and the sea and the trees? Well, that's not so bad. We got an EPA, you know, we can fix this world, we can, we can make it green again. You know, that's not so bad. I, I, I'm telling you this. God is sending judgment against the world, and it's the people in the world. It's the people. What if He does, what if God literally does scorch the earth to a cinder? What if He does literally dry up the sea to nothing? And what if every tree is burned to ash? That is still against the people on this earth. It is still, because we are the inhabitants of this world. So i say this, God is warning us in this vision that he is dealing with a sinful world. And it's going to be like a whirlwind. But let me remind you how God spoke to Job out of the whirlwind. The whirlwind is God's control. Our view is that who can control this? But God is in complete control. He judges from the whirlwind. He speaks from the whirlwind. Verses 2 and 3. Then I saw another angel ascending that's rising up ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living god and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth and the sea saying do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our god in their foreheads so now we see in an apocalyptic vision how an angel rising up from the same place where a new dawn of a day it comes from. This angel has the seal of the living God in his hand. And he says, do not do this until they are sealed. Now, I'm going to say, say it like this. I haven't made up anything new here. Um, I've read many commentators on this. Many of them differ. However, many go in this direction. And I'm going to quote R.C. Sproul on this. If you ever make up something new and you're the only one that believes it, chances are you're wrong. Okay? And so if you're the only one that believes it, there's a high probability you're wrong. But there's a lot of good men that have taken these scriptures and believe exactly what I'm about to tell you. So I'm not, I'm not creating something new out of thin air. But it works like this. God knows His people. And He is going to put... A seal upon them before, shall we say, when God brings His providential ruling over the whole earth, those plans, those things that God does in all the world, His judgments, His movements, the rising of kingdoms, the falling of kingdoms, everything that happens, calamities, blessings, the moving of continents, who knows? All of these things. God knows His people where they are and that all things work together for those who love God. No matter what they endure, no matter what wind is brought against them, no matter what calamity, the difference is, is that the same sun that hardens the clay melts the butter. The same is the all those people in Goshen, they had the light, but not Egypt. But I'm going to put it this way. We will endure what the world endures, but we have something they do not. The Word of the living God that says, these things shall pass, but my love for you will never pass. I have you in my hand. And God knows from the very beginning. He has that knowledge, and now the blessing is, you have it. Every one of us needs to have peace with God. If you're a sinner, you need to be at peace with God. No man's going to start a war with an enemy that he doesn't know if he can win. And I'll tell you what, you cannot win against God. You need to send out your emissaries now and say, I need peace with God. And you can, through the cross of Jesus Christ, you can have peace with God. And now he's telling you, so that you may have peace in your mind. That you can weather the things that are coming. The winds that are going to blow on this earth. They have come. The winds are blowing on the earth and the sea and every tree. This land and this world is under the judgment of God and He moves in a mighty way but His people are in His hand and they have been called from the very beginning from the very beginning are not these angels ministers to those who shall be heirs of salvation are they not and who were the ones from the very beginning what shadow caster showed us that there will be those who inherit the land And what I mean by shadow caster is this. When a symbol is given in the scripture, they say, well, that's a shadow of something else. Well, what is casting that shadow? That's the truth that the symbol is represented. And so what do we learn? Who are the ones that have inherited? The children of Israel were chosen by God and given a land. And every one of these tribes inherit that land. And what did the Lord Jesus say? Oh... Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But what about these tribes? What about this vision that we have? What is being seen by the Apostle John? He sees a lot of different things. But let's go into verses 4, 5, and 7, and 8. And remember what I said about hearing and seeing. Verse number 4. And I heard number of the sealed. Okay now did you hear that? I tried to get you to pick up on that. I heard the number of the sealed. 144,000 from every tribe of the sons of Israel, from those who inherit the land. These are the shadow casters. And what kind of shadow are they casting? These are the ones that says from God's point of view, I have my chosen people. I have chosen them from all the people of the world. They're mine. I picked them out. They're complete. It's like if I had 12 dozen egg cartons up here, and I opened each one up, I would hope to have a dozen eggs in each one. And so if I didn't, I'd say, well, that's not a complete carton. That's not complete. It's not done. But looking at these nations and God saying, I want you to seal 12,000 from this one, 12,000 from this one, 12,000 from this one. They are full. Every name in the book is accounted for. And our names are written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. And every one of them have been sealed by God. These are the things that were told to John. This is what he heard. But then he saw a multitude. Do you see the difference? The difference is this. God has sent his angel to make sure that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is pressed on the heart of his people, that they might have the image of Christ formed in their hearts. And this is the seal of God. And those seals are sent out before the judgment comes, because everything works for the good and for the glory of those who are God's people. Amen. Now, you may go through a lot of things. But some people kind of read that verse from Romans like this Oh, if I. If I, if I just um, had a flat tire, then maybe I won't get into a car accident. No, God is not. He, he is not moving heaven and earth to make sure that you have your flesh pampered. He is moving heaven and earth to put your soul into heaven. And you may have to endure a lot of things. But these things that will make the clay hard as brick, will make you as soft as butter and God is taking the very same things and making Christians out of sinners Mm -hmm. he is making lovers that used to hate him Mm -hmm. he is making the very same thing the punches and and the hardships and the diseases and all the awful things that people endure it makes Christians love God more Mm -hmm. and it makes the world hate God more Mm -hmm. it's the very same thing the blessings turn to cursings, the cursings turn to blessings. Can you see the mighty hand of God in all of this? Oh, it's just, you just got to praise the Lord for this. What a mighty, mighty work of God there is in this land, in Titusville, in your family, and all the hard things that you have to endure. Every one of us has a hard, hard life. We have loved ones that suffer. They die, they... I'm sorry. Just give me a minute let's just take a look at this particular image that we see because he's hearing about these tribes if you just have a cursory reading and some understanding you may say well i look through these tribes and you know what this tribe the list of these tribes is really not not what i read in deuteronomy or not what i read in in, the, in, in different places, because there happens to be one tribe missing. Did you notice that? Did you notice that Dan was not there? Did you notice that, you know, these tribes are usually listed uh, by the way Jacob has married his wives, where he married Leah first, and then he married Rachel, and then he had these other two handmaids, and their, and their children are listed by that. And the very first one is Reuben. He's the firstborn. But you know what? who's, who's listed first? Judah. Why do you think that is? Because the line of the tribe comes out of Judah. And why was Dan left, you know, left out? I'm, 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 I'm not too sure. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But I'll put it this way. Dan was that one tribe that let, that, let a golden calf be built there. And everybody in the nation went to Dan to worship that. Well, he got left out. Well, why, would, why, would the, well, why did Judas get left out? Why? Well, we're not going to stay there. We're going to take and we're just going to stay on route and say that the big picture here is this God has a chosen people. The Israel of God, that's what I want you to remember. The Israel of God is God's chosen people. And the nation is a shadow of the real Israel. The complete body of all the saved in all the ages are sealed by the decrees of God. I'm going to get a little bit into the application, but I'll finish it the next time, all right? You just have to come back. I'm sorry. You know? The practical application that I have here has to do with the way Christ taught this doctrine. It is so wonderful. Here's your homework assignment, since I can't tell you what it is. Everyone read John chapter 6 several times before we come back next time we preach this. John chapter 6. I want to read a little bit more i'm not quite done yet i want to read a little bit more about why we teach these things why it's important our confession of faith which is the london baptist confession of 1689 in chapter 3 it gives a very good description of the decree of god now i want this to be understood by our people because a good confession of faith is nothing more than this This is what we believe that the Bible teaches. Now the confession of faith is not on the same part as the Bible. The Bible is the Bible. But a confession of faith will tell us that good men have said the Bible says these things. Chapter 3 on the decree of God is a very deep chapter. I've taken paragraph 6 and I've kind of turned it into modern English because it's written from the language of, you know, 1689. It's a little bit difficult to understand. if you want to understand what I'm talking about, the, the language is dated. Uh, I used to say this as a, as a joke. One day I'm going to interpret Jonathan Edwards into English. Now, if you, don't, you know, if you don't think that's funny, it's because you have never read Jonathan Edwards. He is so hard to understand. And so, if he could only write like John Bunyan, it would be such a blessing. However, I'm going to try to turn this chapter into something you can understand. God has chosen and appointed the elect To salvation. God has done this election and appointment by His eternal and infinitely free will for His own purpose which will be to His infinite glory. Mm -hmm. God has ordained all the ways and means to accomplish this. All who are elect of God are redeemed by Christ. The elect is effectively called to obtain faith in Christ by His Spirit, working in due season, All the elect, without exception, are justified, adopted, sanctified, kept by the power through faith unto salvation, by His power. There are no others redeemed by Christ, or or effectively called or justified or adopted or sanctified or saved. Only the elect receives these unspeakable blessings. Now all these things are drawn from Scripture. However. They give you a perspective from the throne. We live from the earth looking up. We'll be walking through a door that says, whosoever will may come. And then when you turn around to see on the other side, it says on the same door, predestined from the foundations of the world. And yet we cannot see it because we are not God.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'll tell you why. Because only God is God and we worship Him. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to give you some verses before I end. Because these things are not just made up. First Peter chapter 1, verse 2, we read this. Elect. In other words, this verse is saying, Peter, I'm writing to these people. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you, peace be multiplied. Mm-hmm. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says this. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved of the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved, through sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth. First Thessalonians five, nine. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And now the scriptures that you're probably very familiar with, Romans eight, twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. John chapter 10, we read this. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. And as I said unto you, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Amen. And John 17:9, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. i haven't even gotten in the best part yet but that'll be for the next week just i overdid it didn't i look at my. (laughs) sorry sorry i just thought i could do more the conclusion of this for this morning is that the understanding the gospel of the lord jesus christ is one of the most important achievements a saved sinner can do This will lead you into a Christian maturity that will one day guide you into the fullness of Christ and into the assurance of your everlasting salvation. One of the most important parts of the Gospel is knowing that God is God and that we are not, and that He has unconditionally, that means nothing on our part, He didn't look at us and say, ah, because He has blonde hair, or because He is a nice guy, because he did this or that the reason for God choosing is in himself Mm -hmm. and he is God do not put God in the dock now most of my people understand that we have some visitors here but the dock is the witness stand that you'll find in England this is a little statement by C.S. Lewis he says that people put God into the witness stand and they cross-examine him asking him why have you done this Why have you made me thus?" Do not do that. Mm -hmm. The election of the saints is a mighty gift Mm -hmm. that God has given you Mm -hmm. the knowledge Mm -hmm. that no one can take you out of His hand. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, I'll put it this way, well does that mean this or does it mean that? No. I can tell you who the elect are. The ones that hunger and thirst after righteousness Mm -hmm. because that is not normal for a sinner. Mm God does that. That's the work of God. Mm -hmm. If you have no hunger for God, oh, my sinner, oh, my friend, oh, you need to do something. Mm -hmm. You need to take an account. Mm -hmm. Man, you're up against an enemy you can't win against. You are in trouble. And so let the words sink into your souls. Mm -hmm. Let it sink in. Mm -hmm. If you're not worried about your soul, you're in trouble. Deep, deep trouble. leave it at that we'll get into this next week God Lord willing whenever I'm scheduled to preach we have we have lots of elders in our church now I just take my turn may God give us grace to do this Mm -hmm. and now at this time I'm going to pray and we're going to have the Lord's table and uh, let's lift our hearts up in a brief word of prayer father I ask now that you'd be with your people O Holy Spirit, press upon sinners here that have not submitted, have not run to you. May, may Christ be truly the bread of heaven. May they hunger and thirst in their soul for holiness and righteousness as our bodies seek after bread. May our hearts seek your beauty of holiness. So, Father, grant us this repentance from sin and grant us, Father, The strength of heart to latch on to Christ that we might know you and receive the peace and comfort of your great grace toward us we thank you for the word we thank you for the great blessings of it we pray Lord that all your churches everywhere in this world may have lifted up Jesus Christ we pray this in our Lord's name